0: You are listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn J-Town. We are currently in a series on prayer, exploring the possibility of prayer in the life of the believer. So today we end a uh, we did a, kind of like a three part series on prayer, and so uh, uh, one of the ways we're kind of culminating this series is we're asking you to join us in a twenty four hour day of prayer. It's going to happen this Wednesday, uh, starting at 12 a.m. on Wednesday morning. And so you can go to SojournChurch.com slash what's going on and sign up. There are 96 slots. Uh, We're asking you to sign up for 15-minute slots. If you want to do more than that, super duper, uh, you can do that. Uh, But we are asking and inviting 96 people to spend a day in prayer Uh, with us. The church building will be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So if you want to come here and pray, you can. There's not anything organized, but we'll have some music on. We'll have, uh, if you need a kind of a prayer guide, we'll have that available for you too. But it'll be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But you do not need to come here to pray. Obviously, you can be in your car, you can be doing a walk around neighborhood, you can be at your home, whatever. But we are asking and inviting you to join us uh, in a day of prayer and covering the 24-hour Period there. And so uh, we'll, we'll send this out more in social media and stuff like that. Here are the few things that we're just asking you to pray. We're not giving you necessarily specifics, we're just kind of keeping things broad. Uh, so it's kind of like five different elements. So we're just encouraging you to pray for yourself, like what's going on in your life, in your world. Uh, voice that to the Lord. We're asking you to pray for one another. Um, I mean, I I know in my my world right now, I've got several people that are battling COVID in in a serious way, and um, and some of them are touch and go. Uh, My mom is in the hospital right now. She's been in there since Wednesday, thankfully. Uh, She's probably coming out of this. Uh, Really thought she may be passing away this week. This is kind of the emotional world that I was dealing with this week. But uh, thankful that she is uh, on the the back end and seems to be able to come home or go back to the nursing home either today or tomorrow. But I know all of us have got stuff going on in our world and people that we know. So we want to pray for each other. We want to pray for our community, our city here in J-Town and the surrounding community in Louisville. I want to pray for our nation. Man, um, yeah, with all that's gone on this week, so much Things that trouble us and discourage us and disappoint us, man, just uh, yeah, and even anger us. And so, there's a lot to pray for with our nation, as well as the larger perspective of also our world. So, just really inviting you to join us, and um, let's we'll spend a day in prayer on Wednesday, January 13th, and go to surgeonchurch.com slash What's Going On. And so, I don't, I don't know if you know this. This is not something I necessarily announce, but. Um, Usually what happens at the first of the year for us is we do something on prayer every year for the last several years. Uh, Whether it's a series on prayer or at least one sermon on prayer, we usually do something at the beginning of the year on prayer. So I don't know if you remember this, but last year we started the year off by saying, hey, we're going to pray dangerous prayers. And we saw what 2020 got us. Amen. So one of those (laughs) prayers was break me. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Lord. But let's kind of like maybe, maybe a little softer break this coming year. I don't know. Uh, but, but I have. And, and one of the reasons why we always start the year off doing something around the prayer is I need it. I need to be reminded of this not only yearly, but daily. And I do agree with what one pastor says, that prayer is the breathing of the Christian life. So, I don't know about you, but breathing is pretty much essential for your physical life, right? Like, if you stop breathing, things are not going well, amen, right? And so, you parallel that to the Christian life, and I think that's what the pastor's trying to argue is like, man, this is how essential prayer is to your Christian life. It's, it's like breathing. And I don't know about you, um, as weird as this may sound, it's sometimes a struggle to breathe, metaphorically speaking. And sometimes we actually forget to breathe. So all I'm wanting to do this morning, and I pray this is accomplished. I don't know. You know, we went through this round one uh, in last service. Uh, But my desire this morning uh, is to encourage those of you who may be here who are extremely discouraged about praying. My desire, one goal, is to encourage those of you who are here who are extremely discouraged about praying. Now I get it, I may be um, leaving some of you out, all right? Maybe that's not your world, Maybe that's not your story right now, and that's fine. Uh, Thank God for that. That's evidence of God's grace in your life. Hopefully through what you hear this morning, maybe you can be an encouragement to someone else who's going through this. But here's what I do know. Um, Know this not only by experience, but we see this in the Word of God, and we'll see that here in just a minute. If you um, engage in a sustaining life of prayer, And I'm not just talking like, hey, you make a New Year's resolution, you kind of start strong, and then it tapers off, blah, blah, blah. Or you kind of every once in a while sporadic praying. But, man, if you venture to pray and have a sustaining life in prayer over the long haul, months, years, you will, you will go through seasons where you're really discouraged. And maybe... Um, really disappointed. And I'm making the assumption that some of you that are here this morning are in that place. And my prayer, as we work through what we're going to work through, that you will leave here encouraged to stay at it, even though in this moment you're extremely discouraged to stay at it. And to that end, let's look at Psalm 13. So if you're able, I encourage you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. A Psalm of David, starting in verse 1. I long, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore the brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in depth. My enemy will say I have triumphed over them. And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But... I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we humble ourselves before you and before your word. And we ask that you would help us, Lord, to understand to walk away from here knowing kind of like maybe a a next step that your spirit is impressing on our hearts, Father. And I just pray, God, that you would just continually give us an open posture toward you and your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So why is prayer hard, right? Why is praying difficult? especially when, um, when it's sort of instinctive in us. And so I, I convictionally believe and we believe as a church that all of humanity is created in the very image of God, that the, the DNA of God is marked on all of us as humanity stamped on us. We are, we are hardwired to be in relationship with God the Father. That's why instinctively, no matter where you land, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, what comes out of your mouth instinctively when you're in trouble is crying out, you you pray, whether you realize it or not, you are crying out. You, you're doing what is the image bearer of God is created to do. So, so there's an instinctiveness in us to cry out, to pray. And when God saves you, when, when God opens your eyes and helps you see your need for Jesus and you cry out and you receive Christ, the very Spirit of God comes and dwells in your heart. And one of the gifts that we get with the Spirit of God is now there's a want to pray. So before, without the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, there's an instinctiveness to pray because all of humanity is made in the image of God. But when the Spirit of God comes and dwells in us, when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, when we are in Jesus, that that heart gets changed and there's a want to pray. There's a desire to pray. And the reason why that's the case is because you want to know this Father that has saved you. You want to Be in relationship with him. You want to grow. You want there to be an intimacy. You want communion with him. I mean, that's why I, you know, my wife and I will do date nights. That's why, you know, if we can't fit a date night in, we'll run to Walmart together or, you know, we'll do a walk around the neighborhood. It's not so I'm checking off a box because this is how you have a great marriage, right? The goal isn't to check the box off. It's like, well, I did this. We should have a great marriage. No, the the reason why you schedule a date night, the reason why you go and do whatever, grab coffee, drink, whatever it is that you do, is because you long to have relationship with your spouse and you want to create space where that communion can happen. You're wanting to create time where you can talk to one another instead of just passing by each other and say, hey, is the dinner ready? How are the kids? Are they throwing up? Are they okay? Is everybody fine? Is anybody bleeding right now? Are we all, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the conversations you have from day to day. But there needs to be a moment where you just set aside some space and say, hey, how are you doing, All right? What's going on with you? How are you feeling today? That's why you do kind of a date night or whatever you want to call it. And that's what is in us. And that's what prayer is. Is that I'm, I'm praying not to check a box off, but because I want to know this God Who was called Father and he has saved me through his son Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God now indwells in me. And so Brad is exactly right in what he said last week. I don't know if you were here, but but there is this tension that, that we come with when we come with prayer. So there's this, as a follower of Christ, being dwelled by the Holy Spirit, like I said, there's a want to pray. Even if that want is really small, even if that want is I want to want to pray you follow me like that is an evidence of the spirit of God in you you want to and then at the same time there is sort of this psychological manifestation to where our defense mechanisms rise and we resist being around something or engaging in an activity that brings disappointment you follow me Most healthy human beings do not gravitate towards something that is disappointing. Horizontally speaking, right, if you're in a relationship with someone that continually disappoints you or even hurts you and brings pain in your life, you as a healthy human being will avoid that, right? You're not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to keep drawing near to this person that keeps disappointing me. And so the same thing happens to us when we pray. Prayer can be really disappointing. And I would even put before you, it can be painful. It can be hurtful. And so you have this want to pray. And then at the same time, there's this sort of defense mechanism that rises up in us to where I don't want to be disappointed anymore. And that is why prayer is really, really hard because some of us in this room know what I'm talking about. The reason why prayer can be painful is that you pray and 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 nothing. Silence. And for some of us, Actually, we feel like the very opposite of what we're asking for is happening. And I get it, guys. We all know the right answers, right? We do. Right? We're we're westerners, most of us grew up in the Bible Belt. We're kind of an over-churched area. So we we know all the right answers. We do. We know that that God is 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 above time. We get that. He sees the whole all at once, which I I don't even understand how that can happen, but that's who God is. Like He sees everything, the whole of time, all at once. We know that That God is painting on this massive canvas that none of us can see. And we exist, so to speak, in this little bitty square. And so yes, the right answer is that, yeah, you know, when I pray and nothing, 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 it's because God's doing something way bigger than what I can see and imagine. And someday I will know what that is. But it does not negate the painful experience of disappointment that you are legitimately experiencing in this little square. Are you follow me, the right answer doesn't do away with the pain, and I would put before you here in just a minute that that's not what your soul needs. Your soul does not need a right answer, it ultimately needs more than that. As one writer talks about, like, why is prayer so hard or why we do not pray? He talks about busyness, which there's truth in that. We're all busy people. And for some of us, like, ah, I just can't fit it in. Others of us are, are just so restless that we can't even sit down and, and process a sentence, so to speak. You know, we can't even let our minds calm down enough to where we can articulate something to him. But even underneath that, I would say there's, and he even talks about this, there's, there's something more at play. That one of the reasons why we don't pray is not because we're busy and restless, it's because of its ambiguity, Or another way of saying this that I would put for you, the reason why prayer is so hard and why we don't is because it's all about waiting. And waiting is really hard when nothing is happening. And we have a tendency to grow bitter and cynical. And that's why Wendell Berry famously said, It's hard to have hope. It is harder as you grow old. So we stop praying. Because we don't want to feel disappointment. We don't want to keep drawing near to something that just keeps disappointing us. So we just stop crying out. Or we stop praying because... We don't know what to do with these feelings that we're having toward God the Father who graciously has saved and rescued us and dwelt us by the Spirit of God. We're like, I don't want to have these kind of emotional feelings toward him. So then therefore I'm going to stop praying or at best it's just going to be general, right? It's just going to be surface, It's just going to be like, hey, thanks for the day. Bless me tomorrow. Thank you for the food. Amen. I'm not going to really expose what's really going on in me. Because when I'm met with disappointment, I don't know what to do with how I'm feeling toward you, God. There's a better way. Remember, I'm trying to encourage you who are extremely discouraged in praying. And the better way is found here in the Psalm. It is. And these this is just one of several Psalms that God has given to us to help us and encourage us when we're in an extremely difficult season where it is absolutely almost impossible for you to pray. And when you pray, it feels hurtful. And what I see in this Psalm, I'm just kind of walk through these really quickly here, is, is sort of kind of three movements. And maybe these three movements don't happen succinctly in the sense of like one. One, and then the next one next day is this one. Maybe they do happen like that, but maybe it's like movement one is a year. Maybe movement one is a, is a month. I, I don't know. I'm just, just trying to say, like, there's, there's a, this is not like a formula. I mean, I'm mean, i not trying to, hey, if you take this, this you know, this little pill, you're going to be great, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just trying to say these are kind of three movements that we need to kind of, like, sit in, maybe. And maybe we're just in one movement right now, and that's Okay. So what do we do? How do we get encouragement to continue to pray when it feels like God is absent, doing nothing? when prayer can be disappointing, disillusioned as well as hurtful. And the first one is this: We're going to continue to pray with honesty and directness. We're going to continue to cry out with honesty and directness. Look how the psalm David starts this psalm off in verse one, "How long, Lord?" Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long? Will my enemy dominate me? The opening lines of the psalm feels almost accusatory. David, with honesty and directness, is crying out to God, how long, how long, how long, how long? God, you feel absent. You feel distant. You feel unconcerned. You have hidden yourself from me. How long is this going to keep being my experience of you? How long will you not answer me when I'm crying out to you? One Old Testament scholar says it like this, while the opening verse names the name of Yahweh, which is the very personal name of God, it is exceedingly terse. It is as though the pain is so acute that there's not time for convention or nicety. The speech is not reason. It is a barrage of someone in such sore condition that the accusations must be stated in its most vigorous form. And here's what we know about David. David knows that what he is saying is not theologically true. He wrote Psalm 139, where he said, There's absolutely no place that I can go in the highest of heavens, in the depths of the earth, where the presence of God is not with me. He's always with me. He's always beside me. He's not left me. He's not forgotten about me. He's not, you know, know, checked out. David knows that, but... What David is after here is articulating what it is that he's experiencing with God with honesty and directness. And not only is David articulating this, I would also say that God is inviting David to do this and he's inviting you to do the same. Because God has given us words to use when we experience God as being distant, absent, unconcerned, doesn't give a rip. And what God is doing here is helping validate your experience of that by anticipating it and giving you Psalm 13. He said, in fact, I know you're going to experience that. And how do I know is because I'm God who knows all things, and I'm going to give you words to help you express what you're experiencing from me. So God is inviting us without censor, without editing, right, to voice what it is that we're experiencing in our little square, right? Whatever that is, whatever disappointment, disillusionment, hurt, pain, whatever it is, in that little square, even when it contradicts the truth that you know. And how do I know he's doing that? It's because he's inspired Psalm 13 and said, here's some words for you. Because you're going to experience me being absent. You're going to experience me being aloof. You're going to experience me being unconcerned. You're going to experience me maybe disappointing you. You're going to experience me being hidden from you. Like I'm playing some kind of weird, un- unhealthy, hide-and-seek game, right? Right? And in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm so confident of that as I'm going to give you words to express and to cry out when that is happening. So what do we do? We don't stop praying, right? We feel disillusioned, disappointed, hurt, angry, alone. God doesn't care. He's unconcerned. We don't stop Praying. Netflix does not fix it, right? I mean, it's nice to watch an episode of Community and laugh a little bit or The Office or whatever it is, right? But that show will end and that season will be done and that is over. And God is going, No, come to me, cry out to me with honesty and directness and if you don't know what to say here's the words second movement so we cry out to him in prayer with honesty and directness in humility not arrogance in humility where do you see this loud two places the first place is he uses the very personal name of God, like I mentioned in the quote earlier. He sees it three times in verse one. How long, Lord? That's why it's all capitals in most of your translations, because it's the very personal name of God that was revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter three that we looked at a few weeks ago. Verse three, he says it again. Consider me, answer, Lord, my God. Verse six, he says it again. I will sing. To the Lord. This is the very personal name of God, which not only recognizes the closeness, this imminence of God, where God desires to be known by us, but it also emphasizes the otherness of God, this transcendence of God, that He is Lord, capital L O R D, that He is the sovereign one, He is the one that is in control of all things, that He is the ultimate reality, that He is the all powerful one. Look how the psalmist describes God in chapter 97, verse 5, where he says this, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. One writer says like this, when we pray, we come with Christ into the mountain-melting presence of God. That's who we're conversing with. That's why there's a a posture of humility here. And David understands that he is Lord and he is not, and he's coming with honesty and directness, but in humility. Well, where else do you see that, Lyle? Well, the second place I see it is that he prays. Psalm 13 is a prayer. And prayer in and of itself is a posture of humility, pride, pride will keep you from praying. Spiritual pride will keep you from praying with honesty and directness. Prayer is at the basic form is a cry for help. You recognize your limits, your lack, your inability. It's a posture of lowliness. That's why we bow our heads, go to our knees, not in order to get our, our prayers answered. This is not the, oh, this is what you got to do to get your prayers answered, get on your knees. No, we get on our knees and we bow our heads because we humble ourselves before Lord Almighty. We, 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 we want to be a needy people and prayer is the means by which we declare that reality that I am a needy person that has love. Limits. As one author says, that prayer is the regular practice of lowering ourselves. I'm in need, so I cry out for help. So, what do do we do when we're in seasons or moments where God seems silent? Distant, your prayers seem disappointing, maybe even hurtful. We continue to cry out with honesty and directness. And if you don't know what to say, God's given you Psalm 13. And we do this in humility. So let me just pause here for just a second and, and ask you, like, where are you? Yeah, I, I know we're in the sanctuary auditorium looking at my boys because they would make fun of me for that question. Oh, Dad, where, where are you? Well, we're, we're in church. <laughs> right. But I think you know what I mean. Where, where are you right now? Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, where are you? Or another way of saying this, how are you coming in this morning? Are you alone? Are you lost? Are you confused? Are you disoriented? Are you disappointed? Are you angry? Are you hurt? Do you feel unloved? Are you coming tempted toward a road that you know will not lead to life? But man, that temptation is really strong. And it's in these times where I'm encouraging us and speaking to myself that we don't stop coming to God the Father but that we approach him in prayer, shamelessly honest and direct, in humility, that we come to him and raise our true fears and insecurities and we pray these over and over and over again. We come to God and say, I'm afraid, God. I feel so alone and isolated in this. Oh God, I'm, I'm completely inadequate. I haven't the strength left to do this work. Oh God, I'm I'm full of anger. I'm bitter at so many things. Oh, God, I even hate how some of my, you know, even my own Christian morality and where that's taken me. I'm I'm jealous of others, oh, God. Oh, God, I need more support than ever. Please give this to me. Send someone or send something. Oh, God, if you want me to continue on this road, you've got to give me more help. I need this. That's the kind of honesty God is inviting us into when we're in the seasons where it seems like we're in the dark and He's nowhere to be found. So, what if you, maybe this week sometime, maybe it's Wednesday, you know, maybe, maybe you feel, you know, super spiritual and you sign up for two slots. Amen. I not just one. Ah, I can do 30, right? So. What if, um, what if in one of those slots you just found a piece of paper or if you have a journal, whatever, and you just took 15 minutes and you just wrote down just different areas where you just feel really disappointed, disillusioned, unheard, maybe, You could write down something to where you express, where you feel like God has let you down. You're safe to do that. And then you take this list and you pray it back to him. He's inviting you to do that. With honesty, directness. In humility, and then the last movement here is found in verse five and six. We wait in that great news, right? (laughs) The one thing we passionately avoid at all cost. We wait. Look what David says here in verse five. So we have his complaint kind of going on, verses 1 through 4. And then verse 5, there's a shift in the psalm where he says this, but I have done what? I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will, important word there, will rejoice in your deliverance. I will, important word again, sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Will obviously hear his future tense. It's a statement, it's a declaration of faith. He hasn't been delivered, he isn't singing, but he's declaring a statement of faith that he will be delivered, that he will sing. And so, what is going on in the present? Because verse 5 and 6 hasn't happened yet. So, what's happening between verse 4 and verse 5? What is David doing in the now? He's waiting. He's waiting. It's expressed more clearly in Psalm 130, which is a similar psalm to what we see here in Psalm 13, where it says this starting in verse 1 Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. If you don't like Psalm 13, that's not reckoning with, you know, doing something in you. Go to Psalm 30, similar kind of vein here. Out of the depths I am calling to you. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for help. You skip down to verse 5 after his complaint. This is what he says. This is the next step for him. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. I wait and I put my hope in his word. I I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen. For the morning. So we wait like watchmen that have nothing else to do but to wait and watch. But they are the first to see the light. I know waiting is hard, it's boring, it feels like an absolute waste of time. But waiting is often the key for all of us towards spiritual maturity. And fruitfulness, as John Stark says in his book, The Possibility of Prayer, he says, the reason why this is the case is because maturity, depth, and stability in prayer comes through mundane, choosing to be present moments with Christ, not a life that resists them. As Psalm 37, verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. If you're anything like me, it's usually uh, when I don't wait that things don't turn out very well. It's usually when I hurt someone, wound someone, and I try to take things back, put them in my own hands, take control of it, instead of waiting patiently. Maybe, maybe that's the reason why there's always traffic on Gene Snyder. (laughs) Because in some strange providence, maybe the Lord is teaching us to learn to wait, to be patient. So while we're waiting... This is what we're doing. We're praying, right? And how are we praying? With honesty, directness, and humility. If you need words, find Psalm 13. Find Psalm 130. There's tons of them. In addition to praying, we see here in the psalm, and as as well as in Psalm 13, the psalmist grabs a hold of a promise that they cling to. So maybe that's for you. Maybe the invitation for you is also to look for something in a psalm, a passage, a phrase, a word, whatever it is. Maybe it becomes your breath prayer for 2021. That this is a promise I'm going to cling to during this moment of darkness and silence from the Lord. This is what I'm holding to. This is where I'm going to put my hope. And then also maybe it gives you a picture, right? The reason why the psalmist here pictures a, a, a watchman is because it stirs confident hope. Right? It's, a, it's a picture of hope that will not fail. The watchman is waiting for the morning, knowing it's going to come. Even though that dark night might be really long, they are confident that the sun is going to rise. And so not only maybe you're finding something in the word, a, a word from the Lord that you're clinging to and your promise, you're, you're also saying, but God may give you a picture. A picture that stirs confidence. So if you're here this morning, and you're in a season where you feel extremely discouraged about praying, then I want to encourage you, as God did in and through Psalm 13, go to Him, cry out with honesty, directness, in humility, and then wait. Let's pray. So I just want to give us a minute or two here for us just to kind of sit in silence. And maybe you, you begin to kind of express maybe longings, desires, disappointments, hurts, pains. Even now, if there's something welling up in your spirit, just want to encourage you to kind of voice those. Father, we give thanks for the Psalms. You give us words to match what's going on sometimes in our own experiences in life. And so we just thank you for that gift. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.